It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Philadelphia Phillies are rolling as they head into the divisional series. Can they shock the Atlanta Braves? Also, there's trouble in paradise for the Bears and the Minnesota Twins get the playoff monkey off their back. I'm Ross Jackson in for Peter Bukowski and you are locked on sports today. All right, everybody, put your ring fingers up. It didn't take too much for the Philadelphia Phillies to get that clean sweep on the Miami Marlins. Now they have the Atlanta Braves on the horizon to break down the sweep, the win and the upcoming series. We got Connor Thomas here of Locked on Phillies. Connor, before we get into the Braves of it all, tell me a little bit about what you saw from this Phillies team and their sweep. Well, I'll tell you what. We knew the offense was going to be a part of this series. They had a month in August where they hit the third most home runs in a month in Major League history. Like The offense was kind of the expected. The unexpected was what this pitching staff could do. And the starting pitching, of course. Zach Wheeler, outstanding last night and Aaron Nola who would have guessed he probably would have won up them tonight I mean such a great couple of starts and that's something that should strike fear in the hearts of anybody in the National League because if this team can pitch they're going to go a long way in October was the pitching the most surprising part of this sweep for you or did something else surprise you about this team I don't know if I want to say the pitching was surprising because Nola and Wheeler are guys who have been here before. They're guys that have battled through postseason starts before. They're prepared for this moment. Uh, Honestly, I think the thing that surprised me most is the calmness of a team that's been so up and down all year. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. almost like they prepared for October and October alone. And you saw inconsistency throughout the year with the Philadelphia Phillies, but through the first two games of Red October, they've been as consistent as you can get. I mean, they're showing up. They're battling through at bats. They're doing well defensively. They're getting big double plays and outs when they need them in the field. I think the surprising thing is just how comfortable they were in the moment, considering how inconsistent they were over the course of the 162-game regular season. All right, so you've got a calm and comfortable team here about to go on up against the Atlanta Braves. Tell me why the Phillies can win this upcoming series. Wow, it's a great question because Atlanta is a juggernaut. It's the same reason I was afraid of the Marlins. That divisional familiarity, a team that feels like they can beat you, is a dangerous team. And the Phillies, the last time they saw Atlanta, was a road series down at Truist Park where they took two out of three. I mean – If you believe you can beat a team, that's the first step. And the other thing when we get to the X's and O's of it, of why they can actually handle them, the starting pitching is showing up. The bullpen has looked great. And on paper, the bullpen is talented for the Philadelphia Phillies. And the offense is one that the numbers over the course of the season won't really show you that they're the same team as the Braves. I mean, the Braves are one of the great offensive teams in the history of the sport, right, Ross? But when you look at the lineup and you match up the players, the names, the pedigree, this team might be the best team to compete with Atlanta, and that's why I feel like they have a really good chance coming up. All right, they've got a good chance, but what gets in their way? What's the thing that could end up leading to a loss and an inability to move past the Braves? 
Well, it's the long ball. I mean, you got to go down there in Atlanta and take care of business. And then when you come back to Citizens Bank Park, even if you lose to an Atlanta, you're still going to get a game at home. It's a bang box here at Citizens Bank Park. And Atlanta hits the ball out of the yard as good as any team in the history of the sport. So if you can get the pitching to a point where they can limit the long ball, you're in a good spot. But I'm worried about the Acuna, Olsen, and pretty much everybody else in that darn lineup's ability to hit the ball out of the yard. That's the number one thing you got to be worried about is the long ball in this series. Stay up to date all year on the Philadelphia Phillies by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Phillies on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Up next, the Chicago Bears are in chaos. Can anything be done to fix it? But first, 49 days of football began last night. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. With Justin Fields, is he going to be able to lead his team to victory tonight? FanDuel has no faith in the Chicago Bears on the road against the Commanders as Washington is favored by six points for Thursday night football on Prime. You can also combine bets within the same game to make even more money. Same game parlays are a great way to enjoy the game, so go and get your $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, now. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. 49 days of football began last night. That's right. For the next month and a half straight, football will be on every night. And it all began with Jacksonville State and Middle Tennessee State in a barn burner of a game that saw Jacksonville State survive. So now, whether it's Monday night football, Tuesday night action, or new Wednesday night Conference USA action, Football will be on every night, and you won't have to wake up on another non-football day until Thanksgiving. And even then, Wednesday, November 22nd, is the only day in that stretch through the remainder of the college football regular season to take a breath. The Texas Rangers obliterated the Tampa Bay Rays to advance. Now the Rangers won 7-1, to and... Of course, it ended with a little bit of nervousness if you've been burned enough by this bullpen. It did, I mean, for, for normal people who have not been burned as much as, as this Rangers fan base has by this bullpen, it was a little more nerve-wracking than the Rangers would have wanted, but they had their closer on the hill, and he didn't end up allowing a run. Josh Spores didn't end up allowing a run, and Nathan Evoli allowed just one run in his exceptional outing. 
but the offense, oh my goodness, the offense. It looked like it might be another day like yesterday where the Rangers had a lot of runners in scoring position and a lot of guys left on base. There were still seven runners left on base, but the team went 4-13 with runners in scoring position with some great at-bats from up and down this lineup. And Ole Miss is getting dinged for the way that its fans handled the upset victory against the LSU Tigers on Saturday night. The SEC announced on Wednesday that Ole Miss is going to be fined $75,000 after fans threw debris on the field in the fourth quarter of Saturday's 55-49 win against LSU. The penalty also comes in addition to a $100,000 fine levied against Ole Miss because fans stormed the field in the upset victory. And if you ask me, they absolutely deserve that because if you're a fan of a ranked team, you don't storm the field for beating another ranked team. Act like you've been there before. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey also decreed that Ole Miss must use all available footage and surveillance to identify those that partook in throwing that debris on the field. And anyone identified as having played part in all of that will be prohibited from attending Ole Miss athletic events for the remainder of the 2023-24 season. And if you ask me, I say good riddance. Here is another story you need to know. Well, it's been nearly a calendar year since the Chicago Bears have won a football game. And even though tonight they're going to be squaring off with the Washington Commanders, the questions in the Windy City aren't necessarily about the game, but instead about the coaching staff. Here to discuss more is Lauren Cox, host of Locked on Bears. Lauren, let's cut straight to the chase here. Matt Eberflus' seat is clearly hot, if not steaming, if not boiling. Does he survive the season? I'm not sure for that he'll survive the week. That's where we're at at this <laughs> point with Matty Plus. Any given loss could be his last one. The problem with that is that the Chicago Bears as a franchise throughout their 100-plus year history have never fired a head coach during a season. They always wait until the regular season is done before they fire a coach. We thought maybe after such an embarrassing collapse against the winless Denver Broncos, one of the you know, worst defensive performances in NFL history, and then the Bears blow it against that defense, that maybe that could be embarrassing enough for the Bears to pull the trigger. But then short week against the Commanders this week, not a great time to fire your head coach. Well, there's also never a great time to fire your head coach. So <laughs> it's not as though like, oh, like, but you know, you have the extended week after the Commanders game, you know, after the, right. the, the sort of, they call it a mini bye week there that maybe it could be a little bit more palatable at that point. But, I don't know. To me, firing Matt Eberflus is less about like trying to make the interim be a better option. Like you're going to win mm -hmm. more games all of a sudden and more about like accountability and saying this is not acceptable and not what the Chicago Bears will tolerate from the head coaching position. But it's like, I don't think the commander's game is going to be as embarrassing as the Broncos game in terms of just, yeah, you're expecting to lose the commander's. Fingers little bit crossed, that. So, yeah. So why, so why now is it all of a sudden better to fire him after week five than week four? Like, eh, I, I, I feel like there might, they might still hang on because they've certainly sat through worse seasons than this so far. Yeah, and if they're hanging on here through the Washington Commanders game, is there a chance that a win against the Commanders maybe changes the narrative for them a little bit? To me, it's hard to envision a scenario this season that Matt Eberflus can still save his job. Like, mm -hmm. sure, if they won every single game from here on out and finished with four losses, <laughs> sure. Yeah, but like... Is there a realistic scenario here where the Bears win enough games to to rebuild that faith in this coaching staff at this point? I mean, it seems really unlikely to me. It certainly would 
extend his job to the end of the year and and give him a little bit more security and maybe some kind of feeling like you know there's something there but it, it just doesn't seem like outside of some sort of miracle it, it might it'll change the narrative of the season of like are they going to go winless it'll confirm that sure, but right <laughs> will they have the number one overall pick is kind of the bigger question than will Matt Eberflus find a way to keep his job yeah, and it's clear that Matt Eberflus at this point is is not the answer at head coach. But have you get, gotten to see enough, especially after a franchise record-setting performance from Justin Fields, to tell you that he's the guy at quarterback? You know, it's tough because I, I kind of feel like it's a similar conversation for Fields, where like unless he has an MVP season from here on out, there he's just not in a circumstance where the bears are going to be in a position to justify keeping him next season. That if, sure. if we're under the assumption that I think we should be that Matt Eberflus is going to be fired general manager, maybe, maybe not, but regardless, like the GM, the current GM, Ryan Poles did not draft Justin Fields. The next head coach certainly will have not drafted Justin Fields. And so if you have for sure, probably one top five pick between the bears pick and the Panthers pick, maybe two top five picks between the bears and the Panthers picks. I don't think whether it's this GM or a different GM and certainly a new head coach, I don't think they can go into this draft with a good quarterback class and not take one. Now, maybe they take a quarterback and still let Fields start next season as a bridge for them. But like mm-hmm. the long-term future for Justin Fields in Chicago is, is bleak. The clock is ticking. It's a matter of whether they trade him, you know, this off season or next year, or maybe even at the trade deadline. But that one feels a little bit premature for me. Yeah. So, so it feels like a, a, some massive changes one way or another on the way for the Chicago Bears team, but they've still got a season to play out here. So let's take a look just real quick at this Thursday night football game with the commanders. What would it take for the Bears to get a win uh, against the commanders? Listen, we have seen the commanders give up 30 points a game over the last three games. I'll be at two of those were the Bills and the Eagles. So not that often talking about here, but there is some vulnerability in this commander's defense. Plus, I like Sam Howell, but young quarterbacks tend to go through ups and downs, and he's kind of alternated between up, down, up, and down, and we're due for a down from Sam Howell. So it's certainly not totally out of the question that the Chicago Bears could be the team that pulls off the upset on Thursday Night Football. But I think what it would take is certainly a lot fewer mistakes from the Bears, but also like the commanders are going to need to help them. Like Certainly, if the commanders could just take care of the ball and not beat themselves, they should win this game. But if... Sam Howell makes a couple of ill-advised throws, maybe gets too confident, trusts his arm a little bit more, or maybe hangs in the pocket a little bit too long and somehow the Bears get a pass rush. You know, a turnover here or there or a big special teams play, like something like that can be just enough to push a Bears team over the top. That A team that has some talent, it just never right. really comes together. And I don't think anybody's expecting it to all of a sudden come together, but they have enough of something. There. Like it's the NFL. Like they're still an NFL caliber team. Like you talk about like, Oh, would they beat Alabama? You know, that's always the, (laughs) of course, no, Alabama wouldn't stand a chance even against a bad bears team. So there's zero here. They just can't do it for four quarters. Stay up to date with the Chicago bears by subscribing to locked on sports today and locked on bears on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube coming up. The Minnesota twins finally get that playoff size monkey off their back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. 
available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On Tuesday night, the Twins won their first playoff game. On Wednesday night, the Twins won their first playoff series in a very long time. Locked on Twins podcast hosts Luke Inman and Brandon Warren break down the Twins' big win. You don't get to October playoff baseball without some top-notch pitching, right? And if yesterday wasn't enough, Lopez versus Gossman in game one. Today, we got to watch two more studs, Sonny Gray and former twin Jose Barrios, who four or five years ago, that was our number one ace. So another familiar face and connection between these two teams. Um, Sonny kind of had to fight his way out multiple times of a few jams. Blue Jays, by the way, left five runners on through the first three innings. But this was kind of a a classic pitching duel in October early on. What do you see with Sonny and his battle with Berrios? How good were these two, especially early on in the game, that was scoreless through, what, three and a half innings? Yeah, I think taking Berrios out was the unforced error of the series. Not not necessarily just game. And he looked incredible. I mean, he had a two-to-one strike to, uh, to ball ratio, five strikeouts in three innings. I mean. He was absolutely dealing it. The Twins eating out of the palm of his hand. Statistically, I understand wanting to go to a lefty when the Twins have their fair share of lefties in their lineup. But honestly, the way things have gone lately, I feel like the drop-off wasn't that much in a swap-out. And the Twins ended up pushing across those two runs against. Well, One was on Barrios' ledger, but both were off Kikuchi in terms of who was on the mound. And so, yeah, I... uh, I just don't understand what the point was there. But anyway, Sonny Gray, terrific. Um, he just showed he, he knows how to pitch. He gets into jams. He gets out of jams. gets a big double play ball. And, uh, you know, it just did everything you asked. This is what you go get a Sonny Gray for. This is the exact situation you want a guy like that. And he was nails today, man. Absolutely nails. So solid to have that guy as your game two starter and be able to save him a little bit. Twins allow just one run in 18 innings with just absolutely dominant performances by the pitching staff. Top to bottom, we'll get into that a little bit more. Blue Jays, by the way, leave 17 runners on base in games one and two. You mentioned it, but perhaps the splash play of the game came in the top of the fifth. Runners on second and third. Blue Jays' best hitter up to bat. Big, bad Bo Bichette at the plate. Sonny Gray pulls off like the pickoff move of the century, man. I didn't know he had it in him. Snipes Vlad Guerrero at second base. Carlos Correa applies the tag for the out. Vlad was like insistent. He was safe. He just like laid down clutching the bag for like what felt like five minutes as they went to the video booth replay, which did confirm he was out. Walk me through the play though. You're the baseball aficionado. There's so many elements and variables that took place there and ultimately had a huge effect on the outcome of the game. So if you're the trail runner in that situation, you can't fall asleep. You want to get a good secondary lead to score the tying run, but you have to give to get, you have to be aware of the situation and that sort of thing. Whatever, happened between Sonny and Correa. They have a tell, a sometimes like back in my, when I played, it was like an open glove or some kind of like flash thing on the side of the runner where then the pitcher goes one, two, three turns and fires without looking. And you trust that the guy is going to be there. Now, I don't know that the big leagues do it exactly the same as we did, you know, way up in the sticks, but it's a play that is 100% dependent on indirect communication and trusting your teammate. Now, if that ball goes into the outfield, both of those runners probably come home and score, 
and it's a tie game, and we're probably not on the air right now. We're probably watching white knuckled it, whatever's happening in extra innings. So the the absolute stones it takes to pull off a play like that, uh, incredible. It, it looks like a pickoff, a great pickoff, but the moving parts behind mm-hmm. it, incredible. And finally, the NFL disagrees that it's overdoing it when it comes to its Taylor Swift coverage. After the Chiefs' last win against the New York Jets, the NFL changed its Instagram bio to read that the Chiefs are 2-0 as Swifties. And then their bio on X was changed to read NFL Taylor's version in parentheses. Now, some fans believe that the NFL is doing too much, and even Travis Kelsey himself said that it's overdoing it a bit. But if you think about it, that might not necessarily be true. You see, Sunday night's game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the New York Jets without Aaron Rodgers was the most viewed Sunday show since the Super Bowl with an average of 27 million viewers. So if you ask me, I don't think the NFL needs to change anything. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up on tomorrow's Locked On Sports Today, will the Washington Commanders make short work of those Chicago Bears? So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports Today. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.